So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas recording in progress hello my name is ben hartley and you are listening to the six figure <laughs> photography podcast each week, a uh, new episode is going to air. We're going to help you grow your business by winning more inquiries, maximizing your profits, and breaking through limiting beliefs. Uh, I'm trying something. I'm trying some kind of new here on the podcast. And for the second week in a row, I got this character with me. Her name's Rachel Griman of Green Chair Stories. I met Rachel, oh, I don't know, Baker's Dozen years ago, months ago. It was only like two years ago. When, when were you first on the show? Episode 130, something like that? 2019. So like three years. Three years. Okay, three, got Three it. and a half. It's been a minute. Almost a Baker's Dozen. And <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the conversation with Rachel. I've been following her on Instagrams and seeing her, her, um, her posts, her reels, and how she comes alongside and supports photographers in a really powerful way to find their voice, specifically on their website, copywriting style. And so uh, second week in a row to have Rachel back and, and for us to kind of riff on on some topics. Rachel, welcome back. Round two. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is radical. So uh, it was really fun. Um, Rachel and I, we just been kind of popping ideas back and forth of like what we feel like the photography industry needs. And we have a running list. And so last night I was like, hey, let's talk about culling. And, uh, and so we went back and forth and discussed all the ways that this could go. Um, and there's some really interesting concepts that we want to get into today. Um, and I want this episode to be as practical as possible. I want you, when you're done listening, to have like a short list of things that you can go and make changes in right now to make a meaningful difference in your business. And in the spirit of culling, we're going to keep it tight today. We're going to yeah, we keep are. it. We're going to call out all the fluff. So let's get right into it. Uh, Rachel, when, when I say the word calling, what comes to mind for you as a photographer? Light, Lightroom instantly. I yeah. mean, I know I should have a photo, photo mechanic or whatever the new thing is. <laughs> it's not new. But... Photo mechanic is as old as, as, as man. I wanted that damn program has been around forever. Every time <laughs> I open it, it's like, would you like to update? And I've made that mistake, Rachel. Oh, don't, do it. don't do it. Don't update photo mechanic for the love oh. of God. Don't do it. 
Uh, for me, I think of Lightroom and the Bachelor franchise because there's nothing better to me than just sitting down on my couch and calling to some real crappy reality television. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Bachelor franchise, like it, it like how the you're essentially calling through men uh, no. <laughs> as the show progresses. You're just like, no. nah, that guy's an a. Like we don't no. need him. Like literally watching the show <laughs> while going through things because the best shows to watch when you're editing or culling or doing anything like that is stuff you don't actually need to pay attention to. Yes. Uh, for me, my culling show is, is it's a show that I have to already have seen it multiple times. I've practically yeah. memorized it, so I don't need right. to watch it. My brain right. is like playing it like it's a drive-in movie theater. There's a projection mm -hmm. screen at the front of my forehead yes. and I can just see it while I'm culling. Yeah. Uh, can you guess the show? The office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. How did I know? I know. I know. It's I've, like I know photographers well or something. It's, it's like I'm a millennial white man from the <laughs> yeah. Midwest. Duh. <laughs> all right. So, calling, and I, I totally agree. And and you know, there's all kinds of uh, uh, cliches that exist, and they exist for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of website critiques, a lot of portfolio reviews, and photographers. You don't need. 100 images in your portfolio. No. The amount of critiques I've given where I'm just seeing like really great stuff, for like 30 phenomenal photographs and then just like 40 or 50 images that I'm like, why? What happened? Like filler. Yeah, filler. filler. And there's this belief I, I, I see where a lot of photographers think that they, oh, I, just, I thought I needed to show more. Do they need right. to show more, Rachel? Like more than 30 images. What do you think? I don't think so at all, especially not on your website. I do think you can send a full gallery to people. I think that's way more meaningful to them than your 100 quote unquote best images. But I have a question for you, Ben, yeah. because I have noticed that photographers have a really hard time. And this is two different kinds of culling. You're calling one session. That's what we're talking about when we're watching a show. Yeah. But when you're culling down your portfolio that you're going to show on your website, mm -hmm. why do you think, because I have this problem and I don't know why, why do you think photographers have a hard time editing themselves and being able to say, this is my best work because yeah. oftentimes I'll work with a photographer and look at their website and be like, your Instagram is way better than what you have on your website. Mm. Like these do not look the same to me. Yeah. Why are you putting this crappy photo, especially in the hero image on your website? Why do you think we have a hard time calling to our best? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a multiple things that are happening here. Uh, number one is there's this theory and I forget who the person is like about like the size of your plate and the bigger your plate is, the more you're going to put on your plate. Like physically, the okay. larger your physical plate at a dinner Book table psychology. is. <laughs> yeah. So you're just going to keep loading it up. And so, uh, over time in America, our plate size has gotten larger and larger and larger. And we keep buying more and more food and keep filling up our plates bigger and bigger. Right. Whatever the size of your plate is, that's how much you will fill it up. And Instagram is designed, uh, to be a one image per piece of content right. thing. And, and so it's like one image per post, you know, and sure you can do a carousel and that kind of stuff. I get it. Mm -hmm. But really it's designed as like, here's your one image. So you have a very small plate and you choose like the one best photograph from that session. And then mm -hmm. we get to our website and we're like, oh man, I got a blog. I could put 50 images on this damn thing right. for the click right. of a button. And I think it's partly that. Okay. Um, I think when it comes to home pages and that kind of stuff, I think it's partly laziness and mm -hmm. incompetence <laughs> in regards mm -hmm. to just like not incompetence because it's their fault, but just like websites can get confusing. Like how do I update this darn thing? It's like, it's harder to do that than it is to mm -hmm. post up one really good picture. And then the third reason 
I just think we're too precious about things. We just can't see <laughs> beyond what, what's the can't see the wood from feel. the trees. You, you can't see the forest through the trees. Because <laughs> you I can said, only see one tree. You can't see the whole thing. <laughs> I said you can't see the wood from the trees. <laughs> you know what? Just roll with it. Roll with it. Yeah, I just think we get we have these moments at weddings where like we just get really uh well for a wedding photographer or man a portrait photographer as well it's like you're at the session you were mm -hmm. there and like mm -hmm. something magical happened mm -hmm. and like you saw the moment and how beautiful it was and all things came together and the picture's not that great but like right. you're you're sharing the experience of it yeah or maybe you're it was, attached to it emotionally yes, exactly or maybe it's the first time that you like used off-camera flash or some new lens <laughs> or technique yeah. and it worked in a way that you've never seen it work before and so you're like this is the best thing ever and it's like not the best thing ever <laughs> but for you you know we just get we get attached to things they, that's why there's mm -hmm. this phrase kill your darlings yes and it's really hard Very to kill common. your own darlings. You need to invite other people to commit the murder, right? You <laughs> need to... And it's so much easier when someone yeah. you trust, especially an expert or a professional you're paying, says, hey, that's not that great. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> but you would have never reached that conclusion on your own. Yeah. So I want to I want to take this to now a different direction because you're a copywriter. Mm -hmm. And the next issue that I see is, yeah, it's your website. We've got like images everywhere, but like, I think the bigger problem is when I open a website and then it's a like a a block of text, like a mm -hmm. giant just like it feels like I'm reading a chapter book, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I'd like to talk about calling down our copywriting. Yeah. There's two different ways to do it that immediately come to mind for me. There's kind of like the granular way of like taking out um, I need to come up with a name for these kind of statements, but I call them qualifiers. Okay. Like, I believe that I think that I feel that you don't need any of those. You can just start your sentence. It's your website. It's your belief system. And then most times, if you cut that first part of a sentence off, you're cutting out yourself. Like if you're saying, I believe that love should feel big, mm. let's say, love should feel big is a much, much stronger sentence Yeah, because you're removing your own belief from it. And then you're inviting people to see it as a bigger idea that they can be a part of. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be about you then you're not centering yourself. So that's like granular, like just removing specific words. But, um, when it comes to just like editing as a whole and editing your ideas, so you're not rambling on and on in these huge chunks of text, um, people don't, people read long copy. They don't read boring copy. Hmm. Um, and I would like to tack on another one to that. They also don't read copy that's presented to them in a block, yeah. you know, like in like a huge chunk of text. Yep. So design is really, really important because you could write the best copy in the world, but if you have it scanning across your page, like 25 words across the screen, the human eye just gets tired and they yeah. won't read it even no matter how interesting it is. So you want to call your design, your, uh, qualifying statements and you want to make sure you're not just filling space. I think, and I'm going to say this a lot as we talk, Ben, I think a lot of people buy templates for their website mm. and they look at what the designer has filled, yep. which is fine. Templates are great. I am a huge proponent of them. I think templates are like the world's greatest invention for photographers, mm -hmm. um, for design, but don't fill them in the way that they were written by the designer. They are examples. They are not 
a template for copy by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of photographers are like, oh, here's where I put the drink that I like and the food that I snack on and the pet that I have. (laughs) And that is fine if that's compelling to your one reader, your ideal client. But you need to be able to edit down what you, the ideas and thoughts and phrases that your client needs to read in order to like, know, and trust you in order to see the features and benefits of what you offer. And in order to understand how you're different from someone else, you can't just fill in that copy template and expect it to resonate with whoever you're specifically trying to target. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your copy and culling, you really need to start on a blank Google doc and you need to write there because it's going to be a lot easier to edit it from there than it is to edit it inside the template you're trying to write to. Yeah. Love that. One of the biggest areas that I keep noticing over and over and over again, that I would encourage photographers to take a look at you get, you gave some great, very practical tips to look at as well. I, I take a look at probably the two big uh, offending areas are like the homepage and the about page mm-hmm. because most photographers are not copywriters. They're mm-hmm. like, they're experimenting and they're exploring and they're trying to figure out how to say what they really want to say. And it's hard. It's difficult right. to try like, man, how do I find the words for this? And so I see this happening a lot on the homepage where we're trying to describe what it is that we do and who it's for and what they're going to feel like when they have it. And so I see photographers giving a, a great, stab at that and then saying something else and then almost like saying it again, but in a different way and then like saying something else. And then they come back around to it a third time and they, (laughs) they go and edit again. Um, and, and it's, it's lovely by the way. I think it's awesome just that you treat it as a work in progress, but I want to encourage you to go back and read your homepage, especially the top of the fold, like that opening line, Mm -hmm. that opening paragraph, whatever that block is that you have there, read it with new eyes today and see if you're kind of saying the same thing multiple times and then all good. You know, I think, you know, to what Rachel's saying, grab that copy, paste it into a Google doc and see if you can kind of like call that into a single statement, a single idea, mm-hmm. you know, rather mm-hmm. than like <laughs> these third attempts, you know, of like, maybe yes. it's this. Do you yes. agree, Rachel? Do you see that a lot? Yes, I see that a lot. And I'll tell you how we tackle this from our company. And this is like big, um, secret like this is literally how we write every website so So your homepage should essentially be a mini website so rather than saying the same thing over and over i want you to look at your homepage as a little glimpse of every other thing they're going to find on your site so on that above the fold spot you have that big idea that you introduce the big idea of who your clients are what they're feeling and what how you are involved in that that's your opening line and paragraph then the second one can be a little glimpse into your experience or your about page or your pricing services page and so you're summarizing what's going to be on that page mm-hmm. in an interesting way then the next one you pick a different page of your website to talk about portfolio and each one yes each one should have a call to action to a different part of your site that way think about it people scroll all day long all they do is scroll so you want that homepage to scroll but you don't want to say the same thing three times like ben is saying so you want to lead them to different spots on your website and give them the option of choose your own journey you know my friend sarah always says it's like um a map in an airport with the you are here sign you're giving people the option of where they want to go and constantly directing them to where that they are currently and that's the only page on your site that should have multiple calls to action to other pages everything else should lead to your contact page Um, because that's ideally where you want people to go you want them to reach out to you but on your home page 
Ben, did I lose oh, you? I'm still here. It's just my, my, my camera just like cut out. <laughs> see you uh, later. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still chilling though. Okay. Uh, you can keep talking. I'll, I'll see if I can get the battery up. <laughs> so that is kind of the template you can follow on your homepage. That way you're not just reiterating that main idea over and over. You're actually talking about it in reference to your services, in reference to the experience they're going to have with you, and in reference to who you are as a person and a photographer. So it's subtly reiterating it, but not saying the same thing three times. Yeah, love it. So one, 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 one other one that I'd like to uh, to touch on briefly before we wrap this up is in the the segment of like offers and calling down our, the your offer. Um, and I think actually some photographers may actually be going too far where they're, they're not having enough of an offer. There's not enough mm-hmm. of an, a choice. And so they've called all of their things to this, like, here's the option. You can just hire me for this. Right. Right. Where do you see a sweet spot for offers being at three? Yeah. Or four. That's what, that's what I always recommend three, because it's like the Goldilocks thing, you know, yeah. and it. I think there's like even a Goldilocks theory on this of how to create offers because you want the one that's just right for people. Um, I'm interested, Ben, though, before I talk more, I want to hear what you think about. um, I see a lot of photographers say, I just have one package. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about the benefits and maybe errors in that? Yeah, sure. So um, so let's talk about this, actually. Should. You should only have, you should, you should have three offers. Like, well, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe one offer makes sense, you know? So I, yeah. I want to acknowledge that because I think there's a lot of different kind of structures for this. A hundred percent. There's very few things in photography business that are absolute yeah. for everyone's business. Yeah. So I think one offer, uh, I think that can make a ton of sense. If you're like an in-person sales portrait photographer, if the one offer is the sitting fee, it's like, here's one offer. Right. It's like right. it's my time, talent, creativity is 450 mm-hmm. and that's what you get okay mm-hmm. if you want to have me create images for you that is that's the one offer but on the back end of that with the when it comes to print then you get to purchase the photographs you fall in love with now we have multiple offers of images sizes that kind of stuff right to give them choice um so you know i see kind of one offer potentially working well in that kind of a space mm-hmm. um it definitely just it simplifies everything i do also see one offer working really well when you've built up such a prestigious brand that you're just like, here's the deal. If you want me to come yeah. and photograph <laughs> yes. your event, it's, it's just 15 K and I've seen that too. <laughs> and so for a while, um, I was doing video and photo and I got to a place with my videography that I was like, I really don't want to do video anymore, but if I'm going to do it, sure. Fine. Like I'll come make a video for you, but I'm not doing it for like, it's just one option and it's 10 K. And if right, nobody right. books it, I am so happy. I'm like, (laughs) I'm just, so I think one offer can work really well if you're like a multi, uh, talented, what what do they say? A niche divert, like you're multi-passionate. There's the word. Right. And so you're, you've got like weddings, you got families and you're like used to babies and people still bug you about it. You don't really want to do them. So you're like, fine. If you want me to photograph babies, it's one offer and it's like, and then you can kind of jack the price up a little bit. I think that kind of a strategy works really well. And man, people booked me. They paid 10 K for a video. And I was, like stop <laughs> i just had to take yeah. i didn't delete the one offer because i was getting mad every time people paid me money you should have bumped it to 15 should have i should <laughs> yeah well I, I think the last one that i want to get to actually can i just pause real quick yeah we mentioned the goldilocks thing yeah. i love three collections there is also there is a false belief 
that that is the absolute best way to do things. No, and not for everyone. Yeah, there's there's a, a way to have the Goldilocks principle of the power of three where it's, it's you're not confusing people with too many, but to do four and then you can get into some really advanced stuff with five, but four, you can do some really powerful pricing strategy mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. four collections that leverages the Goldilocks strategy with this other thing that I call popcorn pricing. And maybe we can talk about this another day yeah. uh, because I'm interested in that. So yes, yes. put it on the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to kind of flag this because it, you're leaving thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, depending on kind of what you do. Right. Um, when you, when you leave off the popcorn pricing kind of principle, but I digress. We'll have to get to that right. another day. Right. But I did want to say about the three, we were texting about this last night. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest offer. So mm-hmm. if you're just putting something up there to have something up there because you've heard three is the best. No, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then people are going to book you for it and you're going to be like, I don't actually want to do this. <laughs> sure. The last, the last space of calling that I wanted to get to is one that we don't think too often about in the, in the, sense of paring down. Um, one of the things that I like to do is I, I host this workshop at my house. It's called the abundance workshop. I get 20 photographers. They come and stay with me for four days. We rent a house and we just all stay together. And it's a really advanced workshop because we tend to get really deep into things. And rather than me teaching you anything, I want to provide feedback. I want to critique all the things that you are already doing so that way we mm-hmm. can identify the blind spots and we can mm-hmm. discover what's wanted and needed. So we do a lot of role playing at Abundance Workshop. And one of the things that I love to do is I love to have photographers like sell to me. Like, let's have a consultation yeah. together. Let's oh, I have bet they love a phone call that. together, right? <laughs> it's so great. And so I'll do these phone calls where I'm, I am the client. I'm just like the person, hey, what's up? I'm Ben looking for a photographer, you know, and I'll just role play the whole thing. And a space that I see being uh, direly needed to be examined for the need for calling is in phone calls and in consultations, specifically from y'all extroverts <laughs> like me. I used to be so guilty of this. I used to yeah. steamroll conversations and I still look guilty of it all the time. Same. Just like t- t- being bubbly and talky and chatty, all thinking that like, oh, I'm just relating. I'm so likable. People must love to just talk to me because I'm so <laughs> relatable and I'm just connecting with them. And the whole while I didn't realize how much I was like overpowering, how mm-hmm. I was sabotaging the sale. I was overselling. Um, and when I finally hired a coach to work with me, uh, the first thing he told me was like, yo, dude, sh- shut up. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like you take a beat. Exactly. Um, what do you, what's your take on this? Yeah, I can do this too. And honestly, I know this sounds ridiculous, but if I've had too much coffee in a day, I can tell if I'm on a sales call Mm. because it's like, like it's, and you know, working by yourself, you don't talk to a lot of people all day. And it's like, if it's the first conversation I've had in the day, it can just go too much in my direction. Mm. And something that I think is really important for photographers to learn is that you are going to learn so much about your clients. If you can and listen, because they are going to tell you what their hesitations are, what they are most excited about. I would literally have a list. I bet Ben has a list like this of three questions that are very important to ask them and try to not ask more than that. Mm-hmm. Don't cut people off because you're excited. <laughs> Don't interject with your own stories. You know, 
don't reference what you like in life unless they bring it up. You know, people are going to fill the silence. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, we just get really nervous. Go ahead, please. They're going to fill the silence with useful information. So if you wait long enough, they're going to tell you something that's really important to help you sell to them after the call. Because, you know, the proposal always comes after. And if you can prove to them how much you were listening by repeating back to them what they said to you, that is going to be what gets them to like you and to trust you. Mm, Yeah. My, uh, my coach told me to let the silence do the heavy lifting and it's okay to have silence in a conversation. Um, and for us, I, th- I think we're already nervous, like our, our nerves are. And so when we feel the silence for us, it's exponentially longer than it actually is. Right. Cause we're so nervous and we're, we're just trying to like keep things. We're, we're trying to be okay on our end. It's not even, we're not even thinking about them. We're just thinking about us over here, managing our own self. Like sweating and yeah. trying not to like talk too fast. And I think because we've made up that we need to have all the right answers. Like in this conversation, I've got to look professional. I have to be the authority. I've got to prove my value. And in order to do that, I have to say all the right things. And what I've learned is that having all the right answers means you're positioning yourself as someone who has to convince somebody of something. Like I've got to move you. I've got to convince you that I'm valuable, that I'm worth it, that I'm worth the dollar amount that I'm asking you to pay me. I've got to have all the right answers in order to prove that I'm worth it, in order to convince you of that. And when I discovered the shift of instead of my authority and value coming through my answers, what if my authority and my value came through having really great questions Totally. that I could then ask and more or less retreat and just listen And it's in the question asking that the client, here's the thing, your client doesn't remember Jack that you say on the call. They really don't, but they remember every word that they say. Mm -hmm. So when you ask a great question to your client and then you give them the space to answer it, like they actually will see you as the authority, as someone who's valuable, and they'll actually see the value for themselves because they're saying the words. They're like, oh man, photography is yeah. important to me because da 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 da. Rather than mm-hmm. me telling them, hey, photography should really be important to you because these images are the last thing you're going to have when, you know, your kid, whatever, moves away <laughs> or something, right. you know? Right, right. That posi- asking qu- good questions positions you as a guide and people mm-hmm. trust a guide. They trust somebody that they feel like is going to hold their hand through it and be a calming presence instead of just another thing to pay for. Yeah. And it takes you off the hook. It really does. When I mm-hmm. no longer need to have all the right things to say and filling all the voids, I can kind of sit back in my space a little bit, have a few questions that I know I want to get to. Like, I don't need to be extroverted. I don't need to be bubbly. Mm-hmm. I just really need to give a shit about this person. And so when right. they answer the question, I can lean in and I can maybe ask a follow-up question because right. I'm really interested in the person who's sharing. Right. But um, at that point, the the pressure is is kind of beautifully off. Mm-hmm. Um, so tangibly, I think when you're on sales calls, write down the questions that you really see people open up and make that kind of your outline for that sales call. Like yeah. these are the questions that are really good for people. And honestly, the more you do it, you're not going to need that list yeah. because you're going to get so good at asking questions that they'll just naturally come out of your mouth. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's kind of comforting to have that list of questions to ask that position you as the guide that, you know, have worked with yeah. other people. 
I'll just give you all one real quick. Uh, one question that I love to ask as an opening question because it doesn't direct them in any place is just tell me about you. What's your story? Tell That's me about you. What's your story? And they may be like, what do you mean? What's my story? Be like, What's important to you? Just tell me more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not, tell me how you, how did he propose? You know, how did she right. like, you know, what was the engagement like? Like, I, like it, now I'm forcing them down a lane. Tell me about. Right. That's open-ended. Yeah. How old are your kids? It's like, oh, I, seven and five. Now what? Well, what are they interested in? Right. Like, so just tell me about, Louis. tell me about your family. What's right. your story? And I love keeping it so open like that. And now we're just off to the races and whatever they choose to talk about, that's the lane that we're going to go down. And it's a, uh, mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Um, when you can uh, change your whole phone calls this way, it changes the whole game. Mm-hmm. My friends call, call your images, call your copywriting, call your offers, call the words that you say. <laughs> Uh, what else? Anything else? Just kidding. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Um, well, thanks for hanging out with us. I really appreciate you podcast listeners. Um, I can't wait to see you on the next episode of the podcast. Uh, Rachel, do we have a sign off yet? What do you, what do you say? Well, I I like to say, um, do hard things. Keep showing up. And I say, be kind to yourself while you do it. So you're just going to speak over me while I say to you? Yes. And I say, no, this is what's important to me, Ben. I say we say it at the exact same time. Ready? One, two, to three. everyone you want. Keep showing up. Be kind up. to yourself. Oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> Bye, everybody. That was really good.